Lord, please help me to speak your word with clarity. Help us to understand what you are saying in this text. We believe that your word is inspired and every aspect, every word is meant to teach us about Christ and equip us for the good works that you have for us to do. So, Lord, please give us ears to hear and give us hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I got the board. I don't usually get the board out, right? That's not so... Some of y'all reading this passage like, what? That's why I got the board out. Because uh, we need to understand what's going on in this passage. And so what, what we're going to talk about today is the relationship between the law and the gospel. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, my goal is that by the end of this, you would. By the end of this, you would. Now, sometimes, um, have, have you ever been in a situation where there's a person who might have a bad reputation, maybe t- people are talking, you know, negatively about them, but then you actually meet that person, and you're like, well, they ain't, they ain't even, like, bad, like y'all was talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you meet them, and, like, well, you, people have said this and that, but now that I know you, you're not, you're not what they said. You seem actually nice. And so, so a lot of times, I feel like when we talk about God's law, there is an, a negative connotation. Okay, we talk about God's law. What I mean by his law is his 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 standards, his moral rules for how we should live and conduct ourselves. I feel like it gets a real bad rep. And the reason I know it gets a real bad rep is because when you start talking about the law, people be like saying stuff like, don't be judging me. You know, don't be don't be bringing up the law. I mean, we can talk about Jesus, but the law don't bring up what I'm supposed to do. That makes me uncomfortable. Okay, so so the law has a bad rep. Now, what we're going to learn in this section in the whole chapter 7 of, uh, of, of Romans is the function, the good purpose for which the law was made. And here's what you need to understand. The law gives us the knowledge of sin, but Christians serve God not through the law, but through the gospel. Now, I'm going to explain that. I'm going to explain that. The first thing we need to ask is, what is the law for? What is it for? Why is there even such a thing as God's law? Look at verse 1. It says, since I'm speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? He is talking to these people, assuming they know something about the law. And I don't want to assume that we know everything about the law. So I want to break it down before we get into it. So, so, so listen, the law of God, God, we, we talked about gets a bad rep. Now, have you ever played a game in which the rules weren't clear? You'd be like, rules are helpful, right? No, okay. So, like, you know, the first time I saw people playing Monopoly was, was my older cousins, okay? And I thought that's just how you play Monopoly, okay? We, there was a lot of, we, we was doing a lot of willing and dealing. I was just like, it's business, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so then, you know, I, I, I get to college and, you know, I'm trying to play Monopoly. Like, you can't do it. I'm like, what, what you mean I can't do that? We, we always done done it like that. No, you can't do that. That's against the rule. And I got frustrated. The reason I was frustrated is because I didn't know the law about Monopoly. But if we didn't have a common law, then we couldn't play the game. All right, so the rules and law is, is not bad. We, we actually have, have to have a common framework for how do we live and how we conduct ourselves in this life. So the law, what I'm saying, God's law is the written commandments of God. And what it does is it reveals God's moral character. When you look at the law, when you look at the rules, 
they actually reveal something to us, not just about what we're supposed to do, but something about who God is. I heard somebody say one time, whenever, whenever you read the laws of the Old Testament, now I, I will grant to you that some of them are strange, okay, to me. Maybe it's just me, y'all spiritual. But, but listen, when you read the law, one of the questions that you're supposed to ask is, who is it there to protect? What law, what, why, who does this law protect? So for instance, for instance, if we have these laws concerning that, that marriage is a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman, like, well, who is that there to protect? Well, back in that, that social time, uh, a, a woman did not have social protections. Okay, she was by herself an adult. She, she didn't have rights. And so God was like, I want to ensure that this love, that it takes place in this lifelong covenant because it's good and because I want to protect. I want to protect children. I want to protect that woman. I want to protect this covenant that actually points to the gospel. Or like one of my favorite laws that just seems so random is they're talking about these laws regarding uh, how you're supposed to harvest. So it was a farming society. We don't farm. That's, you know, weird to us. But one of the laws they said, it says, hey, when you, have, when you go to your farm and you harvest your, your, whatever it is, grain, you harvest your grain, don't harvest all of it. Leave some of it so that the people who are poor can go and get some of the harvest. Like, why is that there? It's to protect people who are vulnerable. So listen, so what does that tell us about God? That his law is not arbitrary, but that he cares about the vulnerable, that he cares about his people. I think we all would agree that if people obeyed God's law, it would go better. Like if people didn't steal stuff, maybe it'd be all right. Maybe you wouldn't have to have an alarm system. I don't know. I'm just telling you that, 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 that God's law is there because it indicates that he cares for his creation. All right, so, so, so God's law indicates his moral character, and it, and it makes moral demands. And here's the craziest thing about the law, and we, we cover this in Romans 1. But even though we all don't know every one of the written laws of God, we have a hint of the moral law because we have something called a conscience. And the conscience is God-given so that you would not like, go along in life not understanding something of what God wants you to do. All right, so listen, listen. The law tells us about God's character. It makes moral demands. And even if you ain't never heard nobody read the Bible, you got some sort of sense of there's a right and a wrong. And you really feel it when somebody wrongs you, right? Somebody wrongs you, like, that ain't right. Why? Why you know that? Because God has given you the law written on your heart. So again, the law gets a bad rap. Oh, we don't like, we don't like the rules. We don't like them. But even right now, can, we, can, can you see the benefit of it? It's, it's kind of good. Now, now I, I bought this board out here. I'm going to use it. All right. So um, I'm sorry. I know I get preached, but it's just teaching time. There are, theologians say there are three uses of the law. Three uses of the law. And this is going to make a lot of sense when I tell you. The first rule, the first use, like what is it, what is it for? What does it do? We can say it's a guardrail. Let me explain that to you. It's a guardrail. So, so basically, the punishments of the law curb the abuses of sin. So for instance, if you really like to drive over the speed limit, but you're in the mountains 
and you know there's a curve, and you know there's a guardrail, even if you don't care about the speed limit, you're going to slow down because you know if you hit the guardrail, you're going to get messed up. Now, that, that don't mean your heart is good. That don't mean you just love the law. you just like, I bet not do that so I don't get jacked up, okay? All right, now some of us, we, we know we got some kleptomaniacs up in here. We like to steal stuff. But when you're looking at something in the store and you're like, if I take that, they might find out and I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> Therefore, I probably shouldn't. Now, listen, that don't mean your heart is pure. That don't mean you just love doing what's right. You're just like, but if I, if I don't do what it say, it's not going to go well for me. Listen. This, listen, and this, this applies to the whole world. They, like, you like, man, the world's bad. Imagine how bad the world would be if people didn't have a conscience. If people didn't think, well, if I do that, then. If, you know, people are already wilding out. They, sometimes they just ignore it. But look, God, the, the law is this restraining of the evil in the world. And remember, the conscience, it applies to Christians and non-Christians, to everybody. Everybody has some sense of restraint, not necessarily because they love to do what God wants them to do, but because they're like, well, if I do that, then maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm going to get jacked up. All right, so the first use is a guardrail. Y'all also see my handwriting. The second use is that the law is a mirror, so you can see yourself. This is how uh, James used it in his epistle. So the perfections of the law show our own imperfections. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, you know, maybe you thought you looked real good that day. And you're like, man, somebody better take my picture. And then somebody pull you aside, like, man, you got something in your teeth. You kind of need to get that out. And you were like, I didn't know. It's like, here's a mirror. <laughs> Look at yourself. Now, you, was, you could have been walking around that day not knowing nothing about that. You was having a good old day thinking you was looking real good. But the reality is if you actually saw the mirror, you're like, oh, there's a problem. Listen, listen, our conscience isn't perfect, right? It's kind of defunct. A lot of times we we try to push it on down. But then when God's word comes to you and says, hey, you know, Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said you shouldn't murder. But if you hate your brother in your heart, you have committed murder. And you're like, well, I thought I was doing okay. I ain't actually murdered somebody. But no, when the mirror of the law is pointed to your heart, you're like, I'm not as good as I thought I was. You see that? It, 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 you're like, oh, snap. That, listen, and to be honest, this is why people don't like the law, because they don't like to see themselves. That's really what it is, okay? They're like, because, uh, look, look, I ain't just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. <laughs> the law, I did the law do the same thing to me as it do to you. I think I'm doing good. I read something. I'm like, dog, I ain't doing that. All right, so that's, that's, the, that's the second use. The third use of the law, and I'm going to get into why, but the third use of the law is only for the Christian. And it has to do with um, motivation. That's why it's for a Christian. But the third use of the law is that it's a guide. Meaning, hey, I want to please God. How do I do that? How, what does it look like? Well, you go to the law. It's like a map. I want to get over there. How do I get over there? The law is the directions in order to get to how to please God. Now listen, before Christ, you don't really want to do this. This is a big problem in our evangelism. We come to people and like, you better do the law. And they like, I don't, I don't want to be dumb. And I probably look jacked up. But I don't really want to follow the Lord either. See, like, it, it's a misuse of the law. We're going to get into it more. We'll get into it more. All right, so listen. The principles of the law apply to everybody. Everybody living 
in some way. Even the person who doesn't care nothing about, about God or the Bible, look, they, they be like, well, I ain't going to be too stupid, okay, because it's not going to go well for me. Now, listen, now we're going to get to the nitty gritty. So these are the uses of the law. Now we're going to ask the question, how does the law affect us? How does the law affect us? Look at verse two. For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while she lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then if she is married to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if she but if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then if she is married to another man, she is not an adulterer. She's like, what is this example about? I'm going to try to explain it. I right, listen. We can see in this verse the law functioning in these terms. We can see it's functioning as a guardrail. Why? How? She's like, if you be dating somebody that's not your spouse, you're going to be called what? <laughs> now you're like, I might not like them that day, but I would not like to be called that. Yeah, it's a guardrail. It's like, hey, look, you're going to get some ostracism. It's supposed to function as, as, as a, hey, don't, this is, this is a guardrail now. You might not feel like doing it today, but hey, don't do it. The law also shows our unfaithfulness to ourselves and to others. We see the, the mirror. Yeah, so she might think she was, she was doing okay, but when the law says you can't do that, she's like, oh, man, I was tripping. And everybody else is like, mm-hmm, you was. You can see it functioning as a mirror. And here's the craziest thing about the law. The law makes reasonable demands. He's saying, listen, you, you know, y'all married, you need to be married. But, you know, one of y'all die, it's, you know, go marry somebody. Else. Like, it's not like unreasonable. You're like, well, okay, well, that's, that's reasonable. Uh, like, for instance, you know, we, people who are parents, we, we are in charge of our children. But there comes a certain age where it's like, I ain't in charge you no more. And if you wild out, that's kind of on you. I hope you don't. You know, like, like it's not, it's not, you like, it's, it's reasonable. It's not like something that's just outrageous. The law is not outrageous. The law is not causing you to do crazy things. Jump down to verse 5. It says, for when we were in the flesh, that's pre-Jesus, when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. Now, if you read that, that sounds like the law is bad. The law makes us die? But listen, the issue isn't the law. The issue is us. Listen, this is not a defect in the law, but a defect in us. So listen, when you, y'all know how this works, bro. Look, look, look. You tell a child, don't touch the stove. Don't do it. Now, if they touch the stove, is it the rule's fault? You should have learned. You should have learned. No, listen, so, so the law is not bad. There is actually a defect in us that when we hear the law, something in us goes, Psst. You know, like, forget all of that. You know, like, and, 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 so, so, and people get all mad at the law because it makes them feel that way. But it, listen, that's not the law's fault. That's our fault. Because of how we initially respond. And then he says, listen, when you respond in that way, what does it bring? When, when, hey, look, look, you can't swim. Don't go near that pool. Well, I guess you're going to die now. Look, look, you know, like, if, you, if you rebel against the law, what is the result? The result is death. But we're in this funky position because the law in itself is good. But when we hear it, we go, oh, no. Now, listen. What is God's response 
to our sin under the law. Look at verse 4. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. All right, so what's going down here? God sees this predicament that we're in, this predicament of the law is good, but we ain't, and we be tripping when we hear the law. And God, instead of saying, well, ah, sorry for you, he says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the the, the second person of the Trinity, the, the eternal word of God. He becomes a man to live under the law exactly how we were supposed to. And here's the craziest thing. When Jesus is walking this earth, when Christ is in the flesh, God in the flesh, listen, listen, he actually does all of this well. All right. He never steps outside of the boundaries of the law. You can't accuse him for that. And guess what? When the law is held up to him, he blameless. Not only that, he was obedient. He used the law as a God. Yet. He suffered the consequences of one who rebelled against the law. You get that? This is the crux of the gospel right here. Like, like he suffered the consequences for something that he did not do. He is the only person who, in history who used the law completely and perfectly, righteously and good. Now, it says something interesting in this text. It says, the law only makes claims on the living. You're like, what does that mean? Would it be strange to go up to somebody's grave and be like, honor your parents? That would be, you know, that wouldn't work, right? You know what I mean? Like, they can't, you dead. You know, like, you ain't obeying no laws, okay? You dead. <laughs> that, that is, okay, so, so what's, what's going on? What's going on? So, so listen, Christ died because he was treated as if he did not obey the law. Though, though he did. Though he did. Now, here's the craziest thing. When we come to Christ... We are united with Christ. Look, our union with Christ means that the claims of the law do not hold on to us because the law does not apply to dead people. I'm going to explain it some more. I'm going to explain it some more. Listen, we've got to understand, if we're going to understand the scriptures, we've got to understand something about union and headship, meaning this. If someone is the leader, what they do affects you. Positively and negatively, yeah? yeah. All right. So, so if you got a general, you in the army, he makes a bad call, that's going to negatively affect you. But if he makes a good call, that's going to positively. Like you, you wasn't in the, you wasn't in the war room. You wasn't making no plans. Like you wasn't doing nothing. But depending on what he does, it will go well, or it'll go very bad. Now we already talked about the fact that in in, in, in Romans five, how we had this head. His name was Adam. Did it go well with him? No, it didn't go well with him. Therefore, it didn't go well with us. But listen, God sent Jesus to be a new Adam. And what he does, if we have faith in him, applies to us. So listen, so we're united with Christ. He is our leader. We're united in such a way, get this, we're united in such a way that his death counts for us. So our failure to keep the law is applied to Christ. Okay, let me, let me make it plain. Make it plain. So you feeling all kinds, some kind of way about the law, 
this is happening. You're looking at yourself, you're like, dog, go. I'm jacked up. What you're sensing is what the scripture says is, is the wages of sin is death. That's what you're feeling. And what you're really feeling is I probably deserve some judgment. That, that's really what you're feeling. You're feeling funky because of that. But listen, listen, because I'm united to Christ, I can say, well, well actually, Jesus did that for me. Listen, the, the mirror is true. I'm jacked up. I got sin. But the punishments, the judgment was put on Jesus. So I actually don't have to live under the guilt of this. I get to live in the justification and in the righteousness of Jesus. We're starting to see something of what, what, what God accomplishes through the law that the law cannot. The law makes demands, okay? But it can't make demands on someone who is dead. The claims of the law, when we're, when we're functioning in this, what it produces in us is guilt and shame and fear. That's what it produces in us. But here's the craziest thing. If we understand that we have been united to Christ, we can fully agree with the demands of the law. We can say, that's right about me. Listen, we got, we got this, this self-protective thing. When the law comes, we're like, but it ain't that bad. No, it is. It is. You don't have to lie. You don't have to lie if it's that bad. Because guess what? It's that bad. It deserves a punishment. It deserves a consequence. And it has been taken and put on Christ. This is the good news about the gospel. So look, look one of my favorite, favorite um, theologians, I talk about this guy a lot, Martin Luther, all right? Martin Luther, he, deal, he deals a lot with the law and the gospel, and, and he writes a lot of pastoral letters to people, they, people whose consciences are troubled. And so he's, he's writing somebody who's feeling some kind of way because of their own sin. And Luther's like, let me tell you how I deal with it. You know, when I'm sitting in my house and Satan comes and he accuses me and says, you really bad because of this, 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 and this. You know what I tell him? I say, you right. And you forgot this, this, and this. I'm, I'm worse than you even said. You forget, if you're going to say it, say the whole truth. I'm worse than you think I am. I'm worse than the accusations say that I am. But nonetheless, because I am in Christ, those accusations got put on Christ and they don't have to apply to me. Listen, listen, one of the ways you know you really got the gospel is when you stop trying to do self-preservation. When you get called out and you're like, you're right. Listen, the gospel gives us strength to be completely honest about our failings. Look, the arrangement of the law, it didn't work. Not because the law is bad, but because something was wrong with us. And when we are in Christ, instead of the law's demands, we belong to Christ who gave us everything. Paul uses this imagery of marriage. So, so before Christ, we're married to the law. Now listen, the law is probably a good spouse, but we ain't, Okay. Okay, we cheating, we tripping. Okay, and so and so we died, and that marriage no longer applies. And Christ says, "I'll take you," which is very nice of Him, because we have already proven that we jacked up. Okay, so He's like, "I'll, I'll marry you. Let let I, I, they gonna be mine." Okay, and so the law makes demands, and you feel the demands because you feel guilt when you think about the commands that you don't do. But here's how Christ is different than the law. The law makes demands. Christ makes promises. The law says, do this. Christ says, I have done it. That meant that living in that is it changes the, the whole way that you would approach God and live your life. 
And he goes, look, back in verse 4, it says, You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order, listen, in order that we may bear fruit to God. Now, you ever heard, uh, you know, somebody's playing a game and you know, the buzzer's about to hit and they shot it and they just, it was a brick. What, what do you say? They choked. Why do people choke? They choke because they feel the pressure. They're like, oh gosh, I better get it. Now, here's, here's the deal. The law makes us feel that pressure. I ain't doing it. Oh, I can't do it. I'm messed up. I can't ever do it right. Listen, listen. When I'm in Christ, the pressure's off. When I'm in Christ, my conscience doesn't have to be burdened by my failure to keep the law. Now, listen, that same person who bricked in that high stakes, you catch him in his front yard, just doop, doop, because he feels this freedom. He's like, everything is not weighing on if I do this or not, so I can actually do it. Listen, listen, Christ frees us from the burdens of the law so that our conscience is clean. And then we can actually bear fruit. The, look, the purpose of what Christ has done is not so that we can just do whatever we want. The purpose of what Christ has done is so that we can serve God with a free conscience. With There's no pressure. If I mess up, he's not going to be like, what's wrong with you? Like, no, no. That's all. The pressure's off. I could take a breath. Christ has taken my, my, my punishments, my consequences, and I can think about God. And when I think about God, I don't see him as this angry judge. I don't see him as one who has, has beef against me, though he, he certainly could. Yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't have beef with me. All he has is freedom and love and acceptance because he has taken care of all of my needs in Christ. And when I look to him and I think about, man, he has forgiven me. He has loved me. He has shown me so much grace. Oh, I just want to please him. Do you see how that's, listen, it's not do this, then he'll love me. No, he loves me. Therefore, oh, when I live my life, I want to live it out in this freedom of the gospel. And beloved, the freedom of the gospel is living in righteousness. So, so look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, but now we have been released from the law since we died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the old letter of the law. So here's the crazy thing. The law and the gospel actually have the same goal. The goal is, is that you will be near to God and that you will live right. And I'll say it again. Is the law, does the law have problems? No, we got problems, okay? We the ones that had the problems. So God made another way. And so we don't serve him. We don't serve him under this pressure of, oh, I better... If he doesn't, oh, no, that's the, that is the old way of the letter. But we serve him in the newness of the Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes the gospel alive in our hearts. I know this truth because I'll be sharing the gospel with people and they just be looking at me. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, if you don't make this alive with somebody, I'm about to slap him. No, I'm just like, <laughs> like I can't do it. You got to do it. <laughs> like, but beloved, when he does... When he does, the truth of God's word becomes alive in my heart. The statements about God's love to me become a reality in my heart. And I can begin to serve him, not because I'm trying to earn something from him, but because I know he loves me. We can serve God in this freedom. 
Now, listen, I, I only filled out a little bit of the board, so I got to do some other stuff. All right. We, 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 we almost done. OK. I told you I was going to talk about this. All right. So we're going to talk about this. Law versus gospel. Again, I'm drawing a lot on Luther. Luther said that God speaks. Uh, he speaks his word and he speaks it primarily in two ways. He either speaks law and gospel. Another way to think about this is you could say he either speaks command or promise. All right. Maybe he uh, uh, gives testament, something to do, or covenant. But functionally, when you read, the, and listen, if you get this, when you read the scripture, it'll, it'll make a lot of sense. Because sometimes you read the scripture and you're like, that's a lot. <laughs> right? You're like, that's a lot. Oh, you know what I'm saying? That, that feels heavy. Sometimes you read, you're like, oh, man, there's no condemnation. And crack. How does this work together? <laughs> Why is this both in there? What do we do with that? What do we do? I'm sorry. See, I put it in the wrong way. What, what do we do? Now, listen. Listen. One of, one of, one of uh, Luther's disciples, this is what he said. He says, the law shows sin, the gospel, grace. The law indicates the disease, the gospel, the remedy. The law is, to use Paul's words, is a minister of death, the gospel of life and peace. Now, listen, this both from the Lord. So, so what, what, God speaks in both ways in the text. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, you better do this. And somebody's like, I'm going to do it. So you're like, well, when are you going to do it? And when do I do it? And when do I say what? All right, let's get it. We need to understand when to use the law and when to use the gospel. The first two uses of the law, these two, the first two uses of the law are for those who do not know God and those who are hardened by their sin. Okay, so listen. Even in 1 Timothy, he says, the law is good provided you use it lawfully. What, what is he talking about? And then he goes, the law is not for those who are saved. What? what are you talking? He's talking about this. So listen, if I walk around and I have no knowledge of the law, I don't know that I need something. I'm walking around sick not knowing I got a sickness. I'm walking around with a limp thinking I'm, I'm jogging or something. Like, like I don't understand what's going on with me. But then someone says, listen, you have missed the mark. Can you see yourself? You think you look good, but you don't. You don't. You need help. Yes. Now, listen, that sounds all mean. But when the doctor tells you you need help and then what do he say? And let me tell you how to get, you know, like here's the medicine. OK, listen, the law is for those who are hardened, for those who are prideful, for those who look at God and say, I don't care. What do they need? They need the law. But the gospel is for those who have been broken by the law. So when a brother and a sister comes to me, I don't know if God loves me. If he understood all the stuff that I did, if, even what I did yesterday, what do I say to that brother or sister? Beloved, Jesus has taken care of it. Jesus has, has given you this promise, this covenant. You can trust in him. And then the gospel gives you the motivation to do this one. You go, oh, man, God loves me. Therefore, I want to obey. How does that look? It looks like that. In other words, the, the law is like the train tracks. The gospel is the engine. So I can't, you know, I ain't got no engine. I'm like, get on the track. Drive. Get on it. You're like, I ain't, I ain't got the engine broke. 
I see that the, you know, so, so this, this is the danger. If I only do this, I, people don't got no hope. So that comes up like, I'll never forget. I tell a story a lot because it tripped me out. Um, I, I remember one of the first times I did uh, a Bible study with some, with some high school student, students at Carolina. And it was like my first time. I wasn't leading. I was just listening. And one of the guys, he was leading his Bible study, and he was like listing sins, lust and hate. And he just, you know, just listen stuff. And like, does everybody agree that's bad? Everybody's like, oh, yeah. He goes, stop it. And I was like, bro, like, <laughs> it don't work like that. <laughs> like, that's not, okay, I'll try. You know, like, like, you know, what happens is if you don't understand this distinction, you end up giving people the law and, and not applying the gospel. Just get, fix it, do it, do it better. And you're like, I don't got no engine. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> But if, if a person is broken and feels the weight of the law, then you go, listen, hey, Jesus has taken care of this for you. Jesus has died and rose again for you. So, so let me break it down some more. It's so important that we understand this. This is like so fundamental to discipleship, to pastoral care. Listen, <laughs> beloved, if one of y'all is tripping hard and y'all not repentant, when you come see me, what you think I'm going to say? This one, yeah, if you just tripping and you don't care and you're like, I do what I want. And I'm like, do you want to go to hell? <laughs> like, 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 this, 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 like this, this is what you need. So when someone comes and they say, I know God's law, but I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to change. What you, man, you need to be smashed by the law. Now, listen, the smashing isn't to leave you there, right? We want to build you up. But, but, but you, got, you got this building that's all wonky and you need a new one. And I need to smash it. Now, beloved, if you come and your conscience is troubled and you are suffering and you don't, you don't know, you don't feel in your heart that God loves you, what am I going to say to you then? This one. Do, 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 can, can you see the uses of it? Can you see what I'm talking about? So listen, listen. So what does that mean? I, I don't know if you've ever heard this. Some people will say uh, you got to learn to preach to yourself or encourage yourself. Let me help you to, to say that to you. Like, let's get down and dirty. Okay. So if you, person, are tripping, <laughs> you know, like, if you're just wilding and you know you're wilding, what you need to tell yourself? I need to look in the mirror, man. I'm, what the world? I'm, I am tripping. Some, I need to rebuke myself. I am wilding out right now. I was just watching whatever I wanted to watch. What are you doing? You need the law. But, beloved, when you feel overwhelmed by your sins, when you start to question the love of God, you need to go, hey, man, Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again. Jesus loves me. And so this is important that you would learn. Listen, this is, this is the application part, in case you understand. This is, this is important that you would learn to do this for yourself and also that you would learn to do it for your brothers and your sisters. So if somebody is by you and they are just struggling with shame, what do you tell them? You tell them the gospel, the promises that Jesus has them. If you know somebody who is just chilling in sin and don't care, what do you tell them? You tell them, no, there are commands. And you know there are commands. And if you keep on breaking these commands, you're going to reap death and spread death all around you. But, but if you will repent and come to Christ, 
you will receive forgiveness and freedom and joy. Am I making my, is it, is it, does it make sense? Okay, it's really, I, I want us to practice this thing. All right, y'all listen. So, so listen, here's the other thing too. When we think about the law, it, most of it has to do, like if I'm obeying it or not, has to do with the relationships and the, the callings that I have that are immediately around me. All right, so it's not something lofty over there. So I need to make it plain. I'm going to tell on myself, okay? And the Bible says the chief law is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what they all boil down to, okay? All right, so on certain days, I'm supposed to wake up and be with the kids so my wife can sleep in, okay? That, mornings is a struggle for me, y'all. I'm going to just be honest. My mama used to pour water on my head. That's how real it got, okay? So, okay, mornings is a struggle, okay? That's just what it is. All right, so I was supposed to wake up on said morning, and I was just slumbering, you know, just chilling. And my wife, she, she, she used a law on me. <laughs> she said, you are being selfish. And I was like, oh, dang, I am tripping. <laughs> like, I'm tripping hard right now. Man, I need to stop. Then I go, man, God's been so kind to me. He has, he has given me everything that I need. He has gone beyond and above for me. Why can't I not do it for my wife? Do you see how, you see how it worked? I was tripping. Oh, snap. Then, then what's my engine, though? I can't just, oh, the engine is, oh, man, she's right. I have sin. I am wrong. I have a redeemer who has redeemed me. He's been so kind to me, so I need to be kind to those around me. Does that make sense? All right. That's the end. Oh, God, that, that was my conclusion. Uh, <laughs> I should have wrote it out better. <laughs> but the point, the point is this. The point is this. I, I know we, we did some learning today. We did some learning today. But what I want you to understand, even for your, for, for your own soul, is you need to know how to apply God's word to your life. You need to know how to apply God's word to the life of your brothers and sisters. And so when we need to hear the law, beloved, you better say it. But when I'm weak and when I'm down and when I'm doubting, you speak the word of the gospel to me. That my consequences have been put on Christ. That the law does not have a demand on me because I've been united to Christ. That I can serve God in the newness of the spirit. Not going, oh, is he going to like me today? But knowing full well that he does. And then I can go and bear fruit for him. This is the good news, beloved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word and for your gospel, for your law and your gospel, that you, you speak to us uh, in the rebellious state of our sin, and you speak to us when we are contrite and feel guilt and shame. Lord, you are the wise shepherd, the wise counselor who knows just what to say when we need to hear it. And Lord, I ask that, that by the wisdom of the Spirit, that you would give us the ability to do the same. That we could speak timely words of law and timely words of gospel. Lord God, so that we, at the end of the day, would bear fruit to you. That we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Would you please teach us by the Holy Spirit to do this well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.